On today's episode, Dave interviews Naima Funk. Naima has appeared on MTV's Wild Mouth, Comedy Central's Key and Peele, and Whose Line Is It Anyways? I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. No, Not that I go around trying to hate people, but... No, I get it. There's certain people that you go, like Brian Stack, where you go, how could you be so nice? Do you know Brian? Mm. You know of him, right? Yes. Um, and you go, how could you be so nice? Pat yeah. Finn. Mm-hmm. How are people so nice? It's, and so talented. He's, uh, he's great. Gary, Plus, yeah. Heather Campbell. Oh, I mean, Heather, yeah, Heather's one of those fearless people. I love her. We just start, by the way. We don't, I don't, oh, okay. like we've already started. Great. Heather, um... Heather's so you know, ballsy. I, I really love her. She's someone who I have seen in different venues. Right. In Los Angeles, in, in different improv you know, venues where my team's been performing and her team's been performing. And we've never actually met and talked until the final callback for Who's Line, mm-hmm. which the callback, or, you know, the rehearsal, uh, excuse me, audition day is just one audition after another after another. Right. And you just keep getting called back and they bring everybody in the room and they're like, okay, these people stay, these people go. So by the end of the day, it was, you know, crazy. But... She's a really good improviser, and we jumped up, and because we both follow the improv rules, it's like it doesn't matter yeah. if we really don't know each other. We can improvise together great. I totally understand. So great that we'll book this show, and we did. Right. So she was one of the people. She was awesome. That idea of having the confidence to go, we're going to get this, but there's also something about that where if we don't get it, that's okay too. Right. I mean, I know that we put our hearts in all that stuff, yeah. but to be able to work with somebody and to say, I just had a great time. Yeah. And if you don't cast me, that's your loss. Right. Because I just had a fucking great time. I have a great memory of what just happened. And, exactly. Uh, if you want to add to my memories, that'd be great. But I'm going to make more great ones. So, right. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it, too, because it's what you take away. And we've got to know that the inventory that we have, and talking about the memories that we have being inventory, mm-hmm. the inventory that we have is we decide what to hold on to and what not to hold yeah, on to. Yeah, we do. And I'm going to say, I remembered that I had that audition. Yeah. And that's my takeaway. Because at the end of the day, yeah, you're going to remember the gig, but you're also going to remember the energy that you put into yeah. getting it. These these moments that we have in our life are, you know, they, they just come and go. And we have a feeling that they should mean so much more, these tiny little things that just this and the picking up of the cup and, right. you know, the, oh, he's doing the audio stuff. That should mean something. But really, they just sort of pass. Right. It's the things that we hold on to that our memory allows us to take as these snapshots of life that tell the story of our life. Right. When we look back on it, it's those memories. and. I totally agree. And we can be in that space all the time. Mm-hmm. The idea of those things that you just listed uh, being important things. We can be at that place all the time. Yeah. If we want to. Yeah. Pardon me. I'm reading a book right now called um, <coughs> something like Search for Yourself. What's it called? I want to get the name of that book. Um, and it's written by a guy who's, who teaches a mindfulness work, a mindfulness program at Google. Uh-huh. Search inside yourself. And he was saying, he talks about meditation and meditating and holding on to meditation, just taking things in and, and sitting and doing that. And then he talks about what it, when you stand up and walk through your life in that way, the idea of everything that you just said. To be mindful of, I'm going to take that in, I'm going to take that in, I'm going to take that in. And how joyful your life becomes yes. because you're not attaching anything to it. Yes. Uh Having children makes me do that. My daughter, who's three, stops to look at everything. Mm-hmm. When we go for a walk, and now she's got this new phrase, she'll ride her bike and suddenly she'll stop and she'll go, I think my eye just saw something. And she'll back up and she, she'll go, Mama, it's the tiniest snail in the world. And she will have seen on just a wall of a house that we're, you know, riding by she will have seen the tiniest teeny tiniest little snail and it's like the the way that this mind is looking at things and here i am like multitasking you know as i'm walking i'm like okay i gotta do this laundry you know prepare this meal get this babysitter for this date and you know find improvisers for this show like my mind is not slowing down to take in the tiniest little snail that my eye ever saw i totally understand i totally understand and um nia Vardalis, she wrote. Uh, she just she wrote a book, and she's on a tour now. Called, uh, the book's called Instant Mom. 
uh -huh. instant mom, and because uh, she adopted a child and she became an instant mom. Right. And she mentions that same exact thing where you're, she's walking with Alaria, and Alaria will just stop and look at something. When do we? When do we forget that? And I think that it's a winnowing away. It is. We're told, I think, as kids, hey, hey, pay attention. Right. Pay attention. Stop daydreaming. Right. You know, stop looking off as if, you know, daydreaming is a bad thing. But that's when songs are written. Right. And that's when scene ideas are coming right. up with when you're daydreaming. And right. we don't stop to do that. Like, if we have a free second, it's... <clears throat> let me just see what's going on on the web, or let right. me see this, let me see that. It's not, let me just sit and daydream. It's, I mean, just the fact that we call it daydreaming, if we right, call yeah. it something else, <laughs> it would be it would be useful. Yeah. But we go, you're daydreaming. But As the if that's a bad thing. And it's all part of the process <laughs> of being alive, right? right yeah. It's not that you're taking yourself out of something. Right. You are still living your life. Daydreaming in, in, implies that you're sleeping. And it also implies that whatever is going on is more important than you taking a second for yourself. Right. And that is a, also like, hey, pay attention to me. Right. And that is something that I'm noticing with a child, with two children, where I have to, when, when I, you know, call her like, hey, Ziza, Ziza, look right. over, hey, hey. And then I'll go, wait, well, what is she looking at? Maybe she, her mind is doing something and maybe what I want her to look at isn't as important and won't let her mind grow as much as what she's being attracted to. Right How now. do you make that choice? I guess it all depends on what you're wanting her to do. I guess. If yeah. she wants to, it would say, I'm, okay, so I'm thinking that when you're saying that, I'm thinking maybe eating. Yeah. You know, okay. remember to eat your food. But right. if she's hungry, she'll eat her food. Yes. Right? I guess we sort of try to get her on a, it's sort of like my, my, my husband Joshua and I will try to get her on the same schedule as us. But if she, is just playing around and is like, I don't want to eat right now. I'm like, come on, let's eat. I don't want to eat right now. Come on. We kind of look at each other like, well, okay, we're not going to eat right now. Now, before we eat, we do um, stop and we hold hands. And anybody who comes over our house does this with us. We stop and we hold hands and we each person just says the one thing that they're thankful for that happened that day. Anything. It can right. be, I'm thankful that, you know, Dave found his shoe. I'm thankful that um, it's raining today because I love the rain. I'm thankful that we're having steak. It can be anything. Right. So what we'll say, what my husband and I will say to each other is, well, she wants to play. Let's just, okay, Ziza, say your thank yous from where you are. We're going to eat. When you're hungry, you come eat. Like, just because to me, sit down and eat your food. Like, it's not that good of a food. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not that good of a cook. I'm not going to force anybody to eat my food. Right. <laughs> so, like, I, I just can't do that as a parent. Like, right. That's just not me. It, but it only, and when you go sit and eat your food, you're also con attaching something to the sitting and eating your food mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with sitting and eating yes. your food. Yes. You're attaching this negativity to it. Right, right. And right. I think that's also, I know in my family that it was never, um, you, you leave when you're done eating. Right. Because that thing, like, why do you want to do that? I'll leave. I'll leave when I'm I'll, I'll leave when I'm done eating. I not, won't leave when my plate's empty. Yeah, that's um, I don't know where that comes from. I think that that comes from being uh, grateful for what you have and not wasteful and I don't know attaching importance to things that really aren't important anyway. Right. Like if I eat too much, I'm just gonna get sick. So just. I don't want to eat too much. Like that's an like, important <laughs> thing there too. That I did because I did Weight Watchers and I still do Weight Watchers and um, that the idea of I don't eat until I'm sick anymore. Yeah. Fill up and then, and that's a choice that I have. Yeah. And just because all that food's there doesn't mean I have to eat it. It, but it it goes back to the concept of being mindful and being aware and being present and all of that to say I have had enough. Yeah. And the only reason I want more is society says that I have to eat more. Because I have to clean my plate to be thankful that my parents worked hard to fill my plate. Or that kind of, you know, it's right. sort of, it's all, um, I think we, um, at least my generation, was kind of raised to feel guilty for every little thing that happened. Because you really shouldn't, you know, deserve this oh sort God. of feeling, right. you know, like... There was sort of this feeling of guilt that we've been carrying around of like, I, I, I can't really put it into words, but 
you know, certainly in when, when I was uh, a child, that was when things started coming out, like there's razor blades in the apples and cyanide in the Tylenol and that kind of stuff. It was like, don't trust anybody. Right. Don't talk to strangers. Right. You need to have a code word if you want to, like, get on the school bus and all that, like, crazy. Really? A code word? Yeah, like, if you, like, if somebody else is picking you up from school, <laughs> there should be a code word that, you know, you and... Oh, so, yeah. right, right. How do I know it's you? Right, that type of stuff. It's like, really, that how do I know it's you, that, <laughs> that thing where I, that is such an interesting thing. <laughs> Uh, where because I know that you and Josh probably have these things where you, where it's the things that you two just you know yes. and that's it yeah right the code word the code word going back to the idea of feeling guilty like that thing I I I all of that I've been so aware of those feelings guilty and shame and regret and all those things how useless they are yeah they are. When you start feeling those things, you just start attracting more things that are going to make you feel those things. Exactly. Because that's what you're thinking of. Right. It's like it's like <laughs> zebra mussels attaching itself to the hull of some ship on the Great Lakes. How's that for a metaphor? Because that's really true where you go, oh my God, if I, you know, last night I went out and I just had too much to drink and I... And I had slept over at a friend's house because I didn't want to drive home. And it was like, oh my God, I slept over there. But you know what? I don't feel, I, I could feel regret or shame, but right. what they did, I also feel blessed in that they said, come over. You have the memory, it's the memory that you choose to take away from it. Exactly. If you want to take away from what happened last night and what happened all through the night to this morning and all you're gonna take away from it is, oh, I drank too much. Right. Then that's what you're gonna feel all day, but you're, you still had that other awesome experience mm that you should hold on to, don't those memories mean something? And why Absolutely. not make those the ones that you remember? Oh my God, it's just so, and, and, it's, and it goes, it also has a lot to do with an, I mean, it's all about improvisation. Mm. The idea that, what do I decide to hold on to that you and I have said in this improv scene? What do I decide to hold on to? What do I engage in? And yeah. that's the greatest way of practicing that. Yeah. What am I gonna hold on to? Because in, I, I, we both do it. In, in, in a sentence that some some in a sentence that someone says a line of dialogue, we decide to mm. uh, what's the shiny object in that sentence. What am I going to place importance on? Exactly, mm -hmm. and it's all of that. What yeah. am I going to place importance on? Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> then you place importance on something, and then they do that same thing to you and go, okay, what am I, and, and, and not only what am I gonna place importance on, but what is the emotional reaction that I'm going to have to what I'm placing importance on? Right. It's probably the reason why a lot of arguments start. Right. Because we focus and, and we choose to hear one thing, and we choose to say, um, you're yelling at me about picking up my socks, as opposed to saying, Oh, you really want the apartment to look clean and nice, right? You know, like right. there's those are we we can make the choice to say this is a bad thing. We can make a choice to say I don't want to listen to you improvisationally, or we can make a choice to go I do want to listen, and I'm going to pull this out of the what if it, what you just said and turn it into something cool. Right, exactly. And 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 you and 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 in your practice, and uh, you're you're in Josh's practice. Uh, in your day-to-day -day life, you're teaching your your children what it is that they're going to pick up on because you get yeah. excited about the flavor of this sentence and yeah. they get excited that you get excited about the flavor of exactly. that. So they're going to jump in on that. Yesterday, Josh came to me and, and Ziza got the cutest little scooter from um, John Barinholtz uh -huh. and Annika, his girlfriend. We were over their house and they have this scooter that just was with the house and it's like old and rusty. So yesterday, Josh says to me, he says, Mama, do you have any old nail polish? Because Ziza and Josh I... Josh didn't say that to you. Yeah, well, I mean, in front of Ziza, he called I me see, Mama. I see, I yeah. see, I see, I get it. He says, Mama, do you have any... Uh, oh, that would be kinky. <laughs> Actually, hey, choose what you listen to. Um, he says, Mama, do you have any old nail polish? Because Ziza and I are going to paint the rust on her scooter uh -huh. and cover it in nail polish. And I go, what a fun activity. Sure, here's some nail polish. Let's put a mat down on the carpet and paint away. And Mary Beth Monroe was over, so we all got into it painting. And all of a sudden, I see that on our beige carpet, and we've only lived in this place yet, let, uh, less than a year, on our beige carpet is a huge glob of purple nail polish, like dark vamp, I think the color is called, like dark purple nail polish. And... In that moment, I go, holy shit, how am I going to get that out of my carpet off? Right. Why did I choose to let them do, oh my God, what, what a, what a silly idea, oh my God. But then I stopped and went, who gives a fuck? Right. Look at how happy everybody is at painting this scooter. 
So let me stop everything right here and go, oh, hey, look at this. Oh, we got some on the floor. All right, everybody. But look at this scooter. It looks great. All right. Hey, Papa, why don't you take Ziza to the bathroom and clean her up? And Aunt Mary Beth and I are going to clean up out here. And um, I'm going to Google, how do you get nail polish mm -hmm. out of carpet? Mm -hmm. Three seconds later, I had an answer. About a minute and a half later, the nail polish was out of the carpet. Right. Using al uh, rubbing alcohol. Right. It was gone. And we moved on with our lives, and Ziza left feeling proud about the scooter and not feeling ashamed about the nail polish. And what else happened? You learned how, learned to, get, you learned learned, how to get nail polish out of the I learned how to get nail polish out of the carpet. Right, right. And I, so did, I learned that even something that might seem like a horrible thing right. like, is no big I deal. I love those things <laughs> so much. To, but to look at all... To look at all those experiences, and 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 we yeah. cannot wish those things yeah. away. No. We cannot, and it doesn't make sense to. No, it doesn't. No. And 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 with all of that also comes. Is that me? That was me. With, with all of that also comes the idea that we can't live a perfect life. There's no such thing as a perfect life. But right. The, but even in the imperfections, it becomes the perfect thing. Yes. The memory that I could have taken away. <clears throat> was nail polish on the carpet. And every time I would see that, I'd go, oh, God, why was right. such a dumb, why did I, oh, God. Right. No, that's not what I'm going to take away from it. That's, I can't do that to myself. I, I have too much um, happiness to give these two kids of mine that I can't bring, um, beat myself up about right. silly little things. Oh, my God. You know? And, 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 the flavor of happiness is such a tasty thing. It is. <laughs> it is. And and to look at it and go, oh my God, I, I, carpet. <laughs> you talk about carpet. I'm having an issue with my landlord. Not an issue. It's a challenge. My carpet's. It it's been like this since I've moved in here. Mm -hmm. And then there's other things within this. And I look at it. It's a mess. The carpet's a mess. I see it. And 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 there's some some stains on this carpet. Like these right here that I've tried to get out. Uh -huh. That was from my late dog um, not being able to hold in. I know that's gross, but I cannot get that out. I'm going to have to Google it. So I'm looking at that. I'm going, oh, that's on the carpet. And I've washed the carpet. I've cleaned the carpet and all that. But what I take away from it is I love that dog. Yeah. And that's right. what I take away from it. Yeah. Because I could decide to get angry about everything. Right. Did you have anger growing up? No. In your family? No, I uh, I have two brothers, mm -hmm. uh, an older sister, or two older brothers, and then a sister, and then a younger sister, mm -hmm. and um, five of you. Yeah, my, you know, when when you're in a family that big, you really it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So you really only you like, I mean, not only, but you get attention if you're sick or if mm -hmm. you're in trouble. Right. Basically. And and then all you get um, else is just love from everybody, right. you know. Um, but I found a lot of outlets to sort of put my creativity into. Like I did ballet and right. I would go down in the basement and just turn on music and just dance for hours. And Ugh. my brothers and sisters would be like, why is she down there dancing again? And I would be down like, you know, just getting it all out and making up stories. And I, I think... Um, you know, there's this recording that my parents have. One day my dad went to, my dad's a professor, and he was making, uh, giving a talk one day, and I was young, probably about three or four, and my mom and I went to listen to the lecture, and she took a tape player to record the lecture. And after the lecture was over, uh, she didn't turn off the tape recorder, and it was left rolling the whole way from the end of the lecture. We walked to the car, and you can hear me. Everything I see, I comment on, and I'm making up songs, and I'm like, like we're walking through the door, and we're walking down, and Dad gave a lecture, and it's, whoa, what a happy day for a lady, I'm so happy. We get in the car, and it's like, oh, I'm in the car having, hey, Dad, your tape recorder's on. Dad, hey, Dad. And then that goes on for, you know, a good 10 minutes. And at this time, you know, it, um, this was in the 70s, so we were all sitting in the front together, no car seat or anything right, like that. Right, and yeah. then the very end of the tape, you hear my dad, my dad go, oh, no, my tape is on. Click. And that's it. And I think that kind of sums up my childhood of just this, like, skipping along, making up songs. Nobody's really paying. I mean, pay, yeah, paying attention to me. Right. But, 
you know, just sort of letting me do my thing. Right. You didn't need attention paid to you. No, I didn't. And then I found the stage. Right. And found a, a way to put everything that I had been wanting to feel and show into characters. Right. When I first got started, I, I did plays. Right. I loved doing plays. It was so much fun. And uh, I wore glasses. I got contacts when I was in college, and I wore glasses. So when I would do shows, I couldn't wear my glasses, so I couldn't see the audience. Right. And I loved it. Right. When I start finally being able to see the audience, like wearing contacts, it was so weird to see their reactions and, and, and faces and stuff. By the way, um, I'll just point out my last name is Funk because right. I married Josh Funk. But right. when I was a kid, there were a lot of like things that we just as kids were not allowed to say because you know you get five kids, you need to have rules like shoot. We couldn't say shoot because it was too close to shit. Right. Funk. We were not allowed to say. <laughs> it was too close, of course, to fuck. Right. And uh, so imagine sad. the look on my parents' face when I'm like, I'm gonna be Mrs. Funk. Uh, it was it was a great great moment. So now I really have to be careful of the things I tell my kids not to say because I don't want to like have her come home and be like, "I'm Mrs. Swag." <laughs> like, oh God, no, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had friend my friend in uh, it's a shoot. I had uh, I grew up with a guy named uh, Jimmy Shoot. Uh huh. So that was his last name. I also God the last names. <laughs> but Funk is probably one of the greatest names ever. It's a wonderful, wonderful name. I Last love it. night I had a, a conversation where we we talked a lot about Funk, and I forgot that you were coming over today. Hmm. But but uh, went out to eat, and Funk was just a major part of the conversation. Wow! I live next door, so I don't know. Maybe I told this story on the on the podcast before. But we moved into. I'm going to put three things here in the ground. We moved into this a house right here. Okay, we moved into this house. Mm -hmm. So there's an object to the, there's three objects here. We moved into the center object right here, right? Mm -hmm. To the, to the east of us were the fish. Uh-huh. Nine kids in a two-bedroom house. Uh-huh. To the west of us, just to the west of us, were the birds. <laughs> we lived between the fish and the birds. We moved in the fish and the birds. The, bir the fish moved out. The muds moved in. Really? Crazy. That's weird. Yeah. Oh. Now, my <laughs> aunt, Anne, Anne Rosowski, my dad's sister, uh, married a man named Walter Boll. Uh -huh. B-O-L-L. -L. Uh -huh. My mom's aunt and uncle are the plates. Are you kidding me? No, P-L-A-I-T-S, the plates. So That's I got the fish awesome. and the birds and the bowls and the plates. And it's one of those things where you go, how, do you, how does this symmetry oh, work? Weird. Yeah, that's but really weird. But we live in that sort of world where we, like, I didn't realize it until I was much I was older going, the bowls and the plates and the fish and the birds? I mean, the fish and the birds is pretty cool. Yeah. And then the bowls and the plates. Yeah. And this is the life that we live. Are you going to look at the little snail on the wall or are you going to look at something else? Are you going <laughs> to, you know, and the fact that your mom, did she know that she was, that the recorder was still on? I don't know. No, nobody knew. If right. she knew, she would have turned it off. Batteries are expensive. Right. Tape is expensive. And those, you know? to look at those little parts of our lives yeah. and not to know that we're, to know that we are present in that world at that time. Right, and you know, the other thing is that when I, when I think back on that tape, my parents are talking about things that are gonna happen in the future. Trips, we're, we're about to take a trip to Cincinnati, mm -hmm. and that's what they're talking about, and we gotta get this done, and we gotta get that done, and I think so many times in life, we just talk about what's gonna happen tomorrow, and then at night, we look back over today, instead of living today as, right. we, as today is happening, Right. and I don't know. Of course, it's a live each day in the moment kind of thing, which I do a lot of because in every moment I could be changing a diaper. Right. I, mean, I, I have kids, and you have, and and, and I, the same, of course, with pets. You're constantly making sure they don't die. That's what my life is. I feel right. like I live in when, when I first uh, had my my daughter. I feel like I lived in one of those Final Destination movies right. where you go through life thinking like, oh my God, she's gonna like she's in her car seat. Her car seat could tip forward, and like you know, then she's upside down, and, and she could smother herself. And you know, like you you sort of make up scenarios of how right. you could possibly kill them. Right. Um, and then as you get more comfortable with it, you go, ah, that's fine. They're not gonna die. But they, ooh, I didn't know that might kill them. You know, like you. 
right. learn stuff. Um, so I, I don't know. It's uh, so, so I guess I find myself living a lot in the moment. And I right. can live in the moment of I could kill them or I could live in the moment of look at what they are discovering. What if you had a job where you had to think of things like objects to be used in the future? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you? What does that do with the rest of your life? Because I know being an improviser, I, uh, I practice my presentness on stage that then I take it into my life and I practice my presentness in my life. Right. But if you're, if you're all about planning, uh-huh. how, what is it that brings you the joy of the moment? Do you understand what right. I'm saying? Maybe it's once, once what you predicted, predicted happens. But then you're living or, in the past and right, the future. Yeah, yeah, okay. So is the joy of the moment, is, are you living in the moment when in that moment you figured it out that this is the, what the plan is going to be? Am I making any sense? You are. Or, or is it the moment that you f- make the prediction? I don't know. I don't know either. Oh. I, I cannot imagine, because what you were talking about with the audition that you had with Heather Campbell, it's you, t- you ha- living, in the, um, living in the joy of that moment. Yes. It's not we're going to get this part. Right. It's we're going to take this and hold on to that memory. Yes. And 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 to and we live we get to have that all the time. Yes. And I and I also think that in that audition, the eight people auditioning, we had all kind of we all kind of know that one of us might get it or none of us might get it. So let's just have fun and make all of us look good. Right. Um and that's when improv is the most fun for me right. is when I'm improvising with somebody that's going to go I'm going to make you look good you make me look good got it right. okay let's just for, just in this moment yeah let's let's i mean when i look at the 313 the 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 group that you're in mm-hmm. uh, every single person up there has such utmost respect and admiration for every single person up there yeah we have seen each other in oh, i just got chills you know the the three one three. We we all started at the Second City in Detroit together, and so we have been sitting backstage, going, well, according to the Actors Equity Association, we don't have to do a show tonight because there's only you know because there's less people in the audience than there are on stage. So do you guys want to go perform for four people? Right. Why not? Because right. maybe those four people will tell four more people, and maybe those eight people will, and and so on and so on and. So we've, and we, we would sit backstage at Second City in Detroit, and I remember Larry Campbell saying, when I make it, when I make it big, I'm going to have everybody come over to my house, and we're all going to have parties, and we're going to go on vacations together, and it's going to be awesome. And he took us all to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great trip <laughs> to surprise his wife. Surprise! I brought all my friends to Hawaii. <laughs> That's a great trip. We go. We we spend time together. We our our children play together. We are aunts and uncles to each other's children. We have, it's when you come out to Los Angeles, you know it can feel very um, like you don't know anybody here. It could, and you have to find your family. Right. You have to find your improv family, and within that improv family, because there's a lot of improv schools out here. We all have people who we're close to, and we all have to kind of support each other. And you know, I have my family back in Michigan, my you know, my blood-related family. But then I have my my family out here, and you know, we we all love each other and we care about each other. And just like that audition, we want to make each other look good because you never know when somebody's going to be in the audience and give one of us a role and then we can all go to Hawaii again. But you don't think about those things. You think <laughs> oh, about just, the idea of being up there. just think about the idea moment. of being up there. Right. But if we really got to get into the, the why behind it, it's probably that. But we just love each other. I, and improvising with each other is so much fun. Uh, the why never matters. It doesn't. The why is such a waste of time. And I think that people think about the why or the how. And the why and the how takes you away from the now. Yeah. The why and the how takes you away from the now. So the why Very and the how true. takes you away from the now, and the now needs to be eaten up. When I was, you weren't in Dallas, but when I was watching the 313 down there, and I, and I it was packed, and I could only sit in the front, and in front of the front row, on the floor, watching 
the joy and the presentness and the connectedness and the, the it was it was like magnetic filings to a magnet and watching everybody go onto that onto that like and, and people go I got you I got you I got you I got you you know to look at Jamie and to look at Mary Beth and to watch the two of them together it's yeah. craziness yeah it's um improvising with 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 the 313 and and also with the 313 we improvise with whoever can show up right so it might be a two person show a three person show i mean it's whoever can make it we and you know everybody's busy that's the that's the other cool thing about it there's no like hey you weren't there no everybody's busy and we love that everybody's busy and have children and families and lives if you can make it come and love each other on stage right but it's that feeling of no matter who's out there, it's going to be great. No matter who I'm out there with, it's going to be great. Right. We're going to have an awesome show because we're all playing with the same rules also. That, that's another thing, too. Right. We, have all, we, we all know those improv rules of yes and and no questions and don't deny and all right. that stuff. You know it deeper we, than that. Yeah, you know right. it deeper than that. Right. We know how to break those rules. Right. Uh, you know, I know that if I walk up to Josh in a scene and say, will you marry me? And he says no. He, right. He's not shutting me down no. as an improviser. Right. He's asking me to, to do more of that. Right. No means no Oh, my more. God. <laughs> and I think that that's so important because right there, and I teach this because what it that no is a no to the character. It's not a no to the right. actor. And, and you have to be in the moment to realize that. If you take yourself out the moment and go, wait a second, improv-wise, he should have said yes. Right. I can't do that on stage. No, I, and what's fun is that. There's no <laughs> right. fun in that. Exactly, exactly. Um, that, you know, there's... Then there, of course there's that form of improv, and then there's the form of improv that you do that's different than that, like the TV improv, the the, right. the fast-paced improv, the improv where it's just get right out there and get the laugh in and right. get it on camera, and you know, like that's a completely different world. Right. Um, I was watching you because uh, I had Edie McClurg here, mm -hmm. and I was watching oh, that yeah. scene that you and Edie did uh -huh. on uh, "Thank God You're Here." Yeah, and. To watch both of you just go at it seamlessly, just seamlessly. What was that? What you did a, a couple? One was oh, one was a marriage counselor. Was that marriage counselor, um, or was that something else? You did a marriage counselor scene. I think it. Uh, I think it was. There was something did, else. Now I feel bad. But don't don't feel bad. Um, but uh, the reason I'm saying that is to watch to watch you and Edie just open up and to go at it in that uh -huh. quick. It, it's quick, but it's also very focused and um, uh, condensed. And what I mean by that is you you just got this amount of time to get that shit out because it's television and it's got to be funny and you want, this, you want there to be more. You want there to be more. Mm -hmm. And to watch somebody struggle, like to watch Oprah, when you and Oprah did that machine and to yeah. watch her struggle yeah. with that was an interesting thing to do as well because she's open, but she's got a whole bunch of other baggage. She, yeah. Definitely. It the, the, the words that she's saying mean more to her than they do to, to than the words that I say. She's got to make sure she doesn't say like a, a product name because then she might get sued. She's exactly. got to like be sure she doesn't say something that the tabloids are going to like. You all know, that like, baggage. Oh, that's a lot of baggage. That's a baggage I, like, carousel. Exactly. That's everybody in the plane and you got to no. take it with you. <laughs> no, when you're improvising with your friends, we love that baggage. Right. We pull that baggage out and have fun with exactly. it and play with it and like open it up and show everybody your underwear and like right. it's fun. But like there's then also that the other side of improv. That's really interesting, the <laughs> fact that when you play with Oprah, mm -hmm. you are not just mindful of what she is saying, yeah. but what she can say. Yeah. And look at that governor yeah. that you're putting upon yourself. Just like, they took all of our paper away when we got to the studio. Like, you, you couldn't have any, like, paper. Which was weird. I don't know. What do you mean paper? Pa like, if you had any paper. Like, you couldn't take paper in because I think they thought that you might ask for an autograph or something. But, like, you couldn't. Like, weird stuff like that. And she, like, only had women working for her. And, like, just weird, you know, like, just a weird vibe. Right. Yeah. So. Look at that. <laughs> I, I, you know. It's just weird. And then I, it, makes me, it makes me think... Paper? Yeah. When do you think about paper? I don't know. It was like, it was a very weird thing. Like, you don't have any paper, do you? You can't have paper right. in the Oprah studio. What? And there's a sentence that you never thought anybody would ever say right. to yeah, you. Right, yeah, exactly. You don't you, have any paper, do you? You don't have any paper on you, do you? Like, you mean money? What do you mean? Like, 
Does paper rolling mean, papers like drugs? Right, like, right. Like, am There's I so, that like out of it that paper has taken on a whole new? I meaning? love that so much. Yeah. I love the idea that like every once in a while. A uh, sentence will come out of my mouth and I will say, did I actually say that? That yeah. sentence, I never thought that I would say that sentence. And to look at it and go, well, that's a great sentence. Do you have any paper? Do you, have <laughs> you, any... you don't have any paper with you. Right, you right. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we go in. Yeah. You don't have any paper, do you? Right. Before we go in. Before we, I think that you need that, that suffix, that prefix. Yes. You know. Oh, 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 by the way, uh, before we go in, you don't have any paper, do you? Yeah. We're so free in... And, What's her life like? I don't know. I really think it was a thing of like autographs. I really think I get it was that, like, but but the paper but, but is her just the life top of it. I, has got to be she she doesn't have our like she doesn't <laughs> her life is a weird weird a different life. Listen, the hotel that they put us up in was a really nice hotel and this is how much her life is not my life. I went in the bathroom and couldn't find the shower. All I could find was a, like a, a half shower thing that went like up halfway up the wall. So I kind of ducked under it and took a shower in that. And that was supposed to be, as the maid told me, that was supposed to be what you filled the bathtub with. And there was another door in the closet <laughs> where there was another shower in another room. Where were you? Uh, at some uh, what, at Four Seasons or something crazy in Chicago. In Chicago? Yeah. Like, oh, what, what's down there? Um, oh, I know. It was craziness. Right. Like. That's how crazy like Oprah's. Like Rich Carlton. Yes, 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 right. yes. That's what. That's how crazy Oprah's life is. Her life is so crazy that she don't even have her shower in the bathroom. Right. She's got the shower stall in a different room. Right. Because stay they, there. Play hide and seek to wash your butt. My sister works for. <laughs> uh, she. My, my sister does. Um, part. She. She's a party planner. Uh huh. Event planner. Pardon me. She's an event planner, and she told me that it's high end stuff, and she told me that she was work. That she's working with Oprah's. Chef, uh-huh. and this was years ago, and I was thinking, Oprah's chef. Yeah, she has a chef. She has a chef. That's weird. That's weird. Like, where does the chef live? They've got to live with you. Like, I, I get, I, I roam into the refrigerator all the time. Does a chef do that for you? Right. Like, right. is We're, it just like I need, I want I'm something? Oh, hold on, my lady. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or the chef is just sitting reading the paper, right? <laughs> reading the paper, and he uh, <laughs> he hears you going to the fridge. You're not going to the fridge, are you? Now stop that. <laughs> what, what are you doing? And I was you, just I'm just looking for something. Like, right. I just let me let to, me go. Paper, paper, right. paper, paper. Well, what do you want? Sit down. I'll make it. Like fuck right. no. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> And then you have more time to think about shit. You know, I have always wanted to have a maid. I've always been like, that would be really cool to have a maid. But then when I really start thinking about it, the reason I can't have a maid or won't is because I would have to clean first. That's exactly how I feel. Because I would feel bad to have a maid see my house dirty. And then what is the point? Well, but what's your level of dirty? Oh, you know what I mean? And with a kid, that must change everything where you go, you know, I don't know. It it does. But, you know, I think... for me, since we have a small, not a small apartment, you know, it's a two-bedroom. You just talked about, like, eight kids living in a two-bedroom. Nine. Apartment. Nine kids. So when I heard that, I was like, well, maybe we don't need to move. But it, what, clutter. I don't like clutter. Right. So if you're playing with your Legos and you're done, let's put them away and play with something else. Um, is that is that something that was at, are, are you in response to the clutter of your youth or are you in response of the not clutter of your youth? Do you understand what I mean? The not clutter. We very clean household. Uh-huh. Very clean. But you know, the other day, I found myself saying the phrase, "Oh, it got on my hand. Oh, that's okay. It's only poop." <laughs> right. 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 So, things change. But here's the thing: <laughs> who's poop? Exactly. You know exactly. What I mean? Who's poop? That are we is talking a big about? deal. Now, my son's poop. My son is five months old, and his poop is very tolerable. It, right. It smells like biscuits are baking. It's a very strange thing. Uh-huh. My daughter's poop, like the poop of a three-year-old, gross. Right. That's like right. that's that's adult poop. I don't want to see it. You know what's it. interesting, like... Naima, is something happens. There's a day in mm-hmm. someone's life yes. where it goes from smelling like biscuits uh, uh-huh. to smelling like poop. poop. Exactly. exactly. And there's that one day where you go, there's wait a minute, wait you a just second. changed. Hey, you're an adult. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Where you go, you no longer smell like a child. You yeah. smell like a yeah. pre a pre a preteen. Yeah. Um, when my uh, when when it's your okay. So I was uh, and this 
you go into overdrive. So, so Katie and I were married. I don't think you were at my house when when I was married. Uh, the one in Silver Lake. Yeah, 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 we went yeah, there. Yeah, yeah right. by that foot doctor sign. With exactly, the happy foot sign. Yeah, I think when so, we first moved out here, we oh, we, such a great house. That was a great place. So Katie. Katie lived there when I when we got divorced. Katie stayed. She kept the house, and we had our dog. And our dog, I would t- pick up the dog and take the dog to that. And we had shared custody. It was a really great situation. So one day I go over there to pick up the dog, and the dog had just diarrhea all through the house and vomiting. And it was just one of those where you go, the poor fucking dog. He was sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I took the dog and I put him outside, and then I just cleaned up the house, which yeah. is an interesting thing because. That floor, we picked the floor. Yeah. That was my house. Yeah. But it was also, I don't look at that poop and the vomit as poop and vomit. Yeah. I, I looked at it as my dog's sick. Oh. Do you understand dude, what I mean? I know exactly. My son vomited into my mouth the other day. Wow. Like projectile vomited. Wow. And I, all I could do was hold him and go, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, honey. Right. You're okay, baby. You're right. right. Mama's got to. Right. Because, <laughs> and my husband just stood there like, oh, 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 my God, what to do? And we kind of looked at each other like, ah, it's in my mouth. Do I close my mouth to stop it from coming in? No, I got to keep my mouth open so it dribbles out, but he's right. still vomiting in it. It was, it was a very horrific experience, but... It's my baby. At and that moment, he needs you. And he's whimpering. Right. And after I was cleaned up and he was cleaned up and there in my arms and I looked at his blue eyes and you just kind of whimpered. Oh, he's like, he's got blue like, eyes. Yeah, he's got, oh, beautiful. Crazy. Crazy blue eyes. Oh, he's a... Blue he's, eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I envy blue eyes. They're beautiful. Really, really beautiful, shockingly blue eyes. They're great. He's a... We know people with good eyes. Yeah, We yeah. know a lot of people with good eyes. We do, yeah. Lots of people. I have, I have mediocre eyes. I, 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 one day I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I was like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I have hazel eyes. I don't have brown eyes. Wow. And that was at, I think I was at 30. Wow. And I went, I'm, I'm next driver's license. Yeah, put hazel. Fuck the brown eyes. Yeah. I'm going hazel, God There you it. go. My yeah. mom has green eyes. Really? My daughter has light, light, light green, sometimes gray, sometimes hazel eyes. Um, my kids don't really look like me at all. They look like my husband, like Joshua. He, uh, he's German, and that's sperm bleach. Um, <laughs> there's but, something uh, about the German sperm. Yeah. But there's something about the German DNA. That's still trying to wipe out the world. Unbelievable! <laughs> there was a uh, there was a New York Times article about uh, it was they, a video, and I'm I'm just obsessed with the New York Times. There's a New York Times video about Uruguay, Paraguay, Paraguay. Um, Nietzsche's sister. Again. Again with Nietzsche's that sister. That was always doing oh, fuck her, for fuck her. real. She left, and we're going with the 19th century. Right. She left Germany uh-huh. and tried to start. A white only in Paraguay, in the fucking jungles of Paraguay. White only, it's called Germantown or New New Germania. And she went there and this was back then and they brought a bunch of German people there Uh and people didn't like it. She got a lot of people left, a lot of people shot themselves. They it was like craziness. Oh my god. It was like apocalypse now bullshit. Really? People left and there are still people there. There's one guy, he's speaking. Paraguayan, I guess, and he's going. The German DNA is really, really, and I'm going, dude, oh my really, God. you're still fucking saying that? Oh a young my guy, God. and going, you know who can't, you know who, the people that can keep it together are the Koreans. No, the Japanese. No, the Koreans. And he go, I'm going <laughs> to you. They're all the fucking same, you douchebag. And um, <laughs> it's crazy to think you're really holding on to, and again, we go back to the moment, you're holding on to something that has nothing to do with you. Right, yeah. And you bring that into the world, and then you bring that into the world, into a child into the world, and your children are gonna go, yeah, 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 and maybe one day that child's gonna go, dad's wrong. Yeah. Why was I holding on to that anger? Where I could be tasting happiness. Wow, yeah. I think we hold on to two things, and of course, being an African American, there's a lot of things that we, uh, that African Americans hold on to, 
that I try not to hold on to because I just have to, it's just there. I'm a black woman. Right. The majority of the time, wherever I am, I am, I'm a minority in my own home, for Christ's sake. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way right. it is. Right. Um, and it, it is part of who I am, but it doesn't define me. And no. I can't, I, you know, like a lot of times in improvisation, of course, there's the whole thing about women in improv. Right. And are we treated fairly? Who cares? One the, day that's not going to be anything anybody talks about. If the skill level's there, I can improvise with anybody. Hey, I know. I don't care. Right. I like it's. Um, and that's the great thing about what we do is to look at something and go, I, I don't see you as anything. I don't. I don't. I need you not to be defined. Yeah. Because I tell you who you are when we're on stage together. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so I need to I need to make sure that you're not bringing your fucking baggage right. and you're not bringing your history and you're not bringing your personality. I don't give a fuck about any of that. Right, yeah. Let's just and that's the that is the fun of improv and it gets back to I guess what I was talking about as a child when I first started doing theater and learned where I could take all of the acting and all the stuff that I wanted to do. It was to the stage, but it was in a character that hadn't been written that had been written by somebody else and not for me. Right. I was just stepping into that. Now with improv, I can do whatever I want to do. I right. can write my own story. I can, if for that moment on stage, the twenty-five minutes, the forty-seven minutes, however long we're on stage, I can become whoever I want to be. Let I'm, me do that. I got. I got to tell you. I have to tell you. Uh, uh, when I think, because uh, I was. When I think about the scene that you and Keegan did, uh-huh. the was it called Back Porch or uh, something? Porches. I, yeah. I, it, the scene was ye, an African American couple mm. uh, who were in, from, from this neighborhood and uh, that was gentrifying, right, yeah. meeting an African American couple who are buppies essentially. Yeah. You know, coming in there, and when I think about that scene, I remember you and Keegan being in that scene, and I can't remember who the other two actors were but they were you and Keegan yeah and you played all four parts and so that goes back into just what you're saying right there and I have to tell you there are certain scenes at Second City that I I look at and I go I and I get choked up about it I, I get I'm so proud to have been part of a, a community that created the opportunity for us to have that yeah. and especially that scene there are probably that's in the top three scenes that I look at at Second City and I go, the, the fucking awesome scene. And the way that you guys played it out and the freedom that you had in that, that also, who directed that show? Uh, Ron West. Right. And to look at Ron and to look at the shows that Josh directed yeah. and to look at all that that work. So it's it's us, but it's also the directors that allowed, uh, that, the that, directors allowed us. that allowed us. The directors that said, what do you want to do? Right. What do you want to do? We're going to do it. What do you want to do? I give you a chance. You want to put it in the set tonight? Right. No, no. You want to put it in the show tonight. God I think Porches right. went straight to the show first That's, time out. That happens. And it was never rewritten. Right. It was exactly the way that we had come up with it. And... You know, it's it's funny when I when I think about that scene and I think about our time at the Second City in Chicago, it's very emotional for me because when, when Joshua and I first went to Chicago and I was first asked to be a part of the main stage cast, that was not a thing that people in Chicago were happy with. It's they crazy. were like, Who are you coming out of Detroit <laughs> and taking the roles that should be given to our friends that are in the touring company? And people were not happy about that. And it was a lot of, well, she's black. That's why she's getting it. Oh, my God. So Yeah, of course. Yeah. Or she's sleeping with the director. Married married to the director. That's why. Yeah, okay. I, right. I married Josh to get main stage second city. <laughs> Do you mm, understand the concept of yes, marriage? Yes, exactly. That's, a, that's, like, that's a long way to go for a short glass of water. Um, but then when we were all in the ETC together. Who's we? Me and Josh and Keegan. Right. And we met Andy. Right. And we met, you know, the Sam Alberts and, oh, and right. the people who just wanted to make work, just wanted to, to play. Right. And we got the chance to do what we do. And and, and Ron was in that too, because right. Ron was Ron coached us and directed us in Detroit. 
So he knew the talent that was there. And I right. think, and, and you, you know, uh, 19th Nervous, nervous Breakdown, breakdown yeah. from Detroit, you knew the talent. Right. And you knew that the talent was people. bigger than what people chose to remember from the past. Right. What people wanted to hang on. They weren't living in the moment of who is this person and what can she bring to the stage. None of that fucking matters. And then when we got the chance to do it, Chef Award. Right. <laughs> what? Right. You know? Right. Like, right. Right. Don't fight it. Just let it happen. And none of that shit matters. And right. when you think about all those people saying, wow, how dare she come over here? How dare she come over here? And I want to go, where are you from? Right. I'm from Cleveland. Yeah? yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Did anybody at O'Hare, when you landed at O'Hare, go, what, what, what are you whoa, whoa, here whoa. for? What are you here for? Right. Yeah. yeah. What are you here to do? And I mean... It, I'm from Chicago. So right. I, does that say... Oh, so my cast was um, Carell out from e out east. Carell mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, was from Massachusetts or somewhere. Uh, Colbert was from North Carolina. Uh huh. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. One I don't the, know. South Carolina. Because um, his sister just just lost the election yesterday. Okay. Oh, tragedy, right. Yeah. Right. So I look at uh, Amy was from Raleigh Durham. Uh, like all these people are from elsewhere. Yeah. Coming to this city. Yep. And just because of the talent that's there. Yeah. And to be able to go, and, and you being an African-American woman, there aren't, can I say this? There aren't as many roles available. No, there's available. not. No, and you know what? That was one of the reasons why I loved improvisation because I got sick of playing the mammy and the maid and right. the, the uh, um, magical black woman, all right. seeing, all knowing, <laughs> exactly. oh, I can fix this situation just right. by being black. You know, like that sort of, I, I got sick of playing those roles. And right. then when I got into Second City and started playing, and, and I had never improvised before I auditioned for Second City. I walked into that audition and saw Josh. He was running it, and I knew him from college. So I went up to him and I was like, hey, Josh, hey, hey. Um, actually, I didn't know he was running it at the time because I said to him, I was like, how, how do you improvise? And he kind of gave me a look like <laughs> he rolled his eyes and he's like, say yes and don't ask any questions. And then the, the audition started and he was running it. And I was like, ooh, wrong person to ask. But I did that and I got it. I right. got touring company. And six months later, I was in the show. And right. that's when I really started to learn how to improvise was doing it every night with Keegan right. and with Larry and right. with Jax and like learning from them and with right. Margaret Edgatowski. Uh, right. Um, them teaching me how to do it. And there was never any, oh, who do you think you are coming no. in? There was never any of that. It was, come on, get inside, because you might get shot if you stand outside the theater. <laughs> so stay inside and improvise with us, because Detroit's not that safe. No. So let's no. write a show, right. and let's perform. And if there's four people in the audience, it's safer for us to be in here to do was a that, show. Was that, you didn't do Planet Ant. I did do um, improvising there, but I, at the time that I was in Detroit, I was strictly doing Second City. Right. I moved to Detroit to do Second City and then immediately moved to Chicago to do Second City. Right. So I knew people from the Planet Ant, of mm -hmm. course, Keegan and Josh and everybody. Um, but, you know, now we're all family. Right. We're all, you know, it's all just, we're all Planet Ant, we're all go comedy, we're all the same out there. Right. Um, but I, I don't know where I was going with this. Well, the idea of, of, of having your own parts. You know, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's why I loved improv because it right. gave me the chance to play all those other roles right. and have fun with them. Right. And to immediately make the audience go, "Yeah, there's something. Oh, okay, she's doing something. All right, I'll go there with her. Yes. Okay. Ooh, what's she doing now? Right. Oh, okay, I got it. As opposed to going, what's she gonna do? Oh. You know. Right. I think improvisation. And this kind of goes back to what what my generation came up with, with with a lot of not trusting people. Right. I think it's very difficult to get people to laugh. I think laughter is something that people hold close to their heart. They don't really, you know, they might give you like, <laughs> you know, but they don't really laugh that much. And you don't go to see a movie, like a scary movie. You don't sit there, arms crossed, going, this better scare me. But... <laughs> <laughs> but when you see a comedy, you're like, oh, this better be funny. Oh, my God, this better be funny. And right. people are like, was it funny? You know, like, and that, that same thing happens with improvisation. And there's that, you first kind of break down that wall with the audience and go, trust us, we're trust funny. Us, you can us. laugh at us. Right. We're not going right. to slip, like, cyanide in your mouth when you open it to laugh. <laughs> right. Like, we, we swear it's okay. Right. It's fun. You know, like, 
go on this ride with us. They're there. Yeah. They're there to, to they, they bought the ticket for yes. the ride. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. I remember going uh, uh, to, when I was directing the show in Detroit and then going to see um, uh, Kings of Comedy at the Rensen, uh -huh. the movie, yeah. and I've never been in a crowd of all <laughs> African American people, uh -huh. especially a comedy like that. Uh -huh. And this is Chips, our Hi, next door neighbor what dog. What a cute doggy. Right? Um, and the crowd at the Rensen, how crazy. How they reacted? How they reacted. The joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The screaming joy yes. of yeah. love that they had. Of love, that. yeah. Yeah, and um, to go, that's the audience, and people getting up and running through the aisles, and like, what the fuck is going on? Exactly, here? that excited about right. laughter. Exactly, but it, I think that that you're right that people don't when they go to a scary movie, they go, I want to be scared, uh -huh. and when they go to a comedy, do they go, I want to laugh, or do they go, this better be funny, especially if it's live, and you spend well, a lot of money. Well, I think if on it. It, with improvisation. Because it's something new to a lot of people, they're like, what is this? Right. This you had to be to, written. Yeah. And it, it's also weird because there's a lot of like, you guys are lying. You scripted that. Right. You guys wrote that. You Isn't know, that like, funny? And the moment that, that you went, I know for me, when I would go to see Barons Barracuda's the, uh, the first I.O., the first Herald team in Improv Olympic, um, I would look and go, it's impossible that this w was, was right. not written. Right. It's impossible. It's not possible that this is all happening at this moment. And the moment that you say, "Wait a minute, it is. I want to do that. I can do that. Yeah. I can do that." And then, and then to realize, I could teach that too. Because yeah. there's a style that I've got that I'm opening up people's eyes. And there's no, nothing more beautiful than watching a student uh, do this. Go, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking? Oh. oh man, I there. There's a moment that I always think about with a crew of. Awesome improvisers at Second City uh, out here, Second City Hollywood, and I had them for I think it was IFA back when it was the IFA program, IFA three or something, where you had to learn scene structure. And at the end of the class, it was the first day of the class, and at the end of the class, I'm like, okay, let's just play freeze or switch, whatever people call it. Let's just you know play that because I was kind of doing a diagnostic sort of to see yeah. where they were and. They started playing, and I was like, okay, let's just stop for a second. I was like, I just want to get us all on the same page. I'll just tell you how I play it. And you guys try to play it too, uh -huh. anyway. And I just simply ex explain to them my philosophy on it, which is simply you're not looking for a pose, you're listening and you're helping your scene partner and you clap when the laugh comes in because, or you clap when they're joke or you clap to get them out to save your scene partner. Right. Not because you're looking for yourself. Right. So you're going in after that who, what, whatever that third thing is, after that's been filled in. Right, And the, they, they all kind of looked at each other and they were like, what? It's never been really explained to us that way before. Right. It's never, oh my God, like never. Oh, and then they played it and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And each of those students, I think in that moment, like realized that improvisation is not about me. Right. It's about my scene partner. Now I'm talking montage-y. And, and of right, course right, in, right. Short, in short form that happens too, but it's about what I give to you. Right. It's about me saving you. It's about me getting your back. Like before we improvise shows, we always go like, got your back, got your back. But what's that really mean? I know. Oh God, don't even start me on that. <laughs> what does that, why are you Is patting? That, don't, don't say that unless you got my back because what, whatever I ta happens. I've talked about it before on this thing. <laughs> that whole I, that whole thing about got your back and that bullshit. What does when that did mean? that start? Because you can say I got your back, but that also means when I go, hey, come out and play the dad with me. You got to come out and play the dad with me. Right. Don't do this. It was her idea. Like, right, don't, right, stay, right, don't, right. don't just stand there like, I don't know what she, what script she wrote for this scene. I was standing back there, but you know, like, oh, I don't have a script. I just want you to play with me. Right. It's like when kids are at the park mm -hmm. and one walks up to another and goes, play with me. And they go, no, nah, I don't want to. I've oh seen God. that happen to oh my, my daughter God. and I want to run in and go, you best to play with my baby. You better sit down and eat this food. Right? Right. right. I know that's something that she has to learn. Right. 
But it's, and then you know what happens is another kid comes up to her and goes, you want to play? And she's like, well, they just said no, so no. no. Right, like, see? Uh, and as opposed to going, yes, let's play together and right. see what happens. But but that, that goes down, that also goes back to the foundation that is home mm-hmm. for you to have that as the model and yeah. go, when we're here, uh-huh. we're going to live the life that we want to live. Yeah. So that when you're out there, you yeah. got to know that that's, that's the aberration. Yeah. And when you say that we want to, that, that you know people are holding back the last, after uh-huh. happiness is really the default feeling that we're born with we have to learn those other fucking things come on dude that is so true babies only cry when they need something fixed when they pooped or they're wet or they're hungry or maybe sleepy they're they you know we, we put all these things on children like don't hold them too much or you know you're, you're gonna spoil them or you know they're you know, it, it's crazy. The very first thing that they learn to do beyond those things, beyond crying for those attention things, is laugh. Right. And smile. Right. And they mimic you. Right. If I smile at him, he's going to smile at me. If I am, like, upset, he's going to, what's going on? Like, we teach those other emotions. We teach them to feel jealousy and to feel angst. And, and to feel lack. Right, yeah. And... Not that we shouldn't be aware of those emotions, but we have to protect our children from feeling that too soon because that can't be the memory that they take away. Right. And it really makes us look at our lives and say, what is it that I'm holding on to that I'm passing on to? You know, I watched this, or yeah, I watched this TED talk all about experience and memory, and it's really awesome. Um, and he talks about experiences and how we go through life. And one of the things he says is that very often when we go on vacation, we choose our destinations because of the memories that we're going to have. Right. Not necessarily because of the time that we're going to have there, because that's going to go away. But after hearing that, I, I, and he also talked about how we just hold on to the bad things a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I went back through trips and days and things that I have been holding on to in my life, like experiences that maybe didn't make me feel too good. Mm -hmm. And it was cool because I was kind of able to relive them and choose different memories to hold on to. The good stuff. We keep going back to that inventory. That is so true. That is so true. and, and, And while you're in the middle of what you're perceiving to be a horrible experience, a year away from that, you're going to look back and go, oh, that happened, which allowed me to do this other thing uh-huh. that my that I needed to do yeah, or that I wanted to do yeah. or that I could do. So when whenever I'm in a situation going, oh, my God, this is really taxing or this is challenging, there's this great phrase that Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith said. It goes, he said, when when shit like that happens, he didn't even shit. When shit like that happens, <laughs> his his thought is, oh man, I cannot wait to find out how the universe is going to take care of this. Oh God, yeah. Right? Yeah, I'd start looking at things in that way. You a get red light, to. A, a flat tire. What did this save me from? Why am I having this here? Is there something up the road that might have killed me? Right. Is there a bus that was going to go through? Is there a reason? Instead of being mad, instead of going, oh, oh I'm late, going, right. well, maybe there's a reason I'm late. But to be there in that moment, yeah. because if you're, if you're perceiving that you're late, you aren't here. You're where you want to be, which isn't where you are. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, it, and, and I, I think I'm talking wait, about Wait, 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 wait. If you're late. Right. And you're thinking about it. Right. You're thinking about where you want to be. Right. Which isn't here right and you're not thinking about what's going on ah that's great right and now you can take that and this is two years ago i stopped waiting Uh it doesn't mean that if that if you and i are going to say i meet you on the i'm i might have talked about this before but if i'm uh, if if i say naima meet me on the corner of uh hollywood and vine at 11.45, and it's 11.45 and you're not there, mm-hmm. and I'll go, okay, she's gonna be here. At 11.50, I'm thinking, I know, he says, pointing behind him, that I told her in the past that we we're gonna meet at 
11.45 in the future. Mm -hmm. I told her that, I know I told her that, and then it's, uh, it's noon, and I'm still thinking about that, and I'm standing there. When I see her, he says, pointing to the future, I'm gonna tell her that we talked about it in the past. So all that pointing that I'm doing, none of the pointing is pointing of where I am. Right. Because where I am is on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Right. I'm not waiting. I'm at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Do you understand? And I'm getting all the feeling of the people moving through and the experience of that. And then I could leave. Yeah. But what are we holding on to? I'm here right now. So maybe... then that goes back to why it's sometimes difficult to get laughter from people because they're thinking you're not going to make me do this in the future. Right. As opposed to what am I feeling at this very moment right now? What right. did what you say, like we are talking about in improvisation, taking what you just said and having an emotion about what you just said. Right. And using that to fuel the scene. Right. As opposed to thinking about what's going to happen next. Or what I want to happen next. Because the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. That's it. I get to accept this. I don't have to. I get to. And when I don't, that's when the struggle comes in. Yeah. Okay, let's stop there. Thank you. Thank you. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, Know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.